You're listening to the USCA official podcast, which takes you behind the scenes of eventing, covering all the big events, professional tips and tricks, interviews, special guests, and the latest USCA eventing news. Welcome to the USCA official podcast. Now, today's show for you listeners is diving into a topic that I actually think is one that we've not covered on the show before. I'm very much looking forward to finding out more about and all the things that we should be looking out for the world of saddles, tack. How can we make sure that the saddles that we put our horses in are one, doing the job that they should be doing, two, making them as comfortable as they can be? For both horse and rider, I think it should be said as well. So we have teamed up with Bates Saddles, who are the official saddle of the USEA. And I am delighted to say, all the way from Australia, Emily Bates, Head of Product Innovation, is with me. Emily, I'm very much looking forward to this. Thank you for joining us, because it has been a real time zone logistical juggle to make this happen. Yeah, no, it's wonderful, Nicole. I'm really delighted to get the chance to to speak with you and to be a part of a podcast. It's not something I get to do every day. <laughs> we like to be a little yeah. bit different. And actually, it's brilliant to be able to bring one of our partners at the USCA in to kind of give us a bit more of a background of what we should be looking out for. Hopefully, we can give you the tools, give you the knowledge and the confidence to be able to make sure that you have everything that you need to be able to kind of make sure that the decisions are right and your horse and you are as comfortable as possible. So first of all, tell us a little bit about what you do and the company as a whole, because the partnership with the USCA is a brilliant one. And actually, Bait Saddles is a name that people know a lot about, I'm sure. But give us a bit of background. Yeah, well, um, we're quite, particularly in Australia, we're quite an, um, an old company. My great-grandfather started the company back in 1934, which is really impressive in the terms of Australia because um, we're quite a young country. Um, but sometimes when I'm talking to people in Europe, that, that's not that old <laughs> at all. Still quite old, um, nearly 100 years, nine, yeah, 89 nearly- years. Yeah, next year will be our 90th um, year, so that's something we'll really be wanting to celebrate. Yeah. And it's been very much a family um, story from there. So my grandfather, my great uncle, my father, my uncle, and now my sister and I have been continuing on that legacy, which has always been a focus on saddle making with horse comfort being at the centre of of what we do and trying to innovate wherever we can, um, which has been really exciting to then sort of be I guess, born into a company, but one that's had such a big contribution to saddles and how they've changed over time. I always love a family company story because I think it's fascinating to kind of see the journey and and life changes so much, technology changes so much. Back when the company first started to the products that you have now, I imagine the innovation side of things has really, really developed. Absolutely. You know, looking back, and it's wonderful, my great-grandfather did have memoirs published and that sort of thing, so we can get a bit of a view. Um, I did know him, I did meet him, but um, yeah, he was 90 when he passed and I would have only been sort of, you know, six or so years old, I think, at the time. Um, But yeah, you really get an insight into, you know, saddles and saddlery at that time. It was a way of life. Horses were transport. It was like being a carpenter. It was essential as a trade and a skill and then over time where we've sort of 
come to use horses in a much more, you know, competitive way and recreational way. And it's brought a whole new set of challenges as to what we try and deliver in the way of making saddles, which, you know, we um, we were the first to make saddles adjustable, for instance, which now I think, you know, is kind of quite um, really interesting for people that there was a time where we really didn't have the ability to to choose a different width of saddle for a different horse or for the one horse as it changes over time. It's something we take for granted now that we have that that there. Um, It's one of the things that actually in today's modern world, you've kind of touched upon it there. There's so many different calls upon saddles, aren't there? You know, there's lots of different requirements, whether it be competitive, recreational, etc. So where do we even start? If people are kind of competing at a grassroots level or maybe they're riding recreationally or maybe they're looking to go through the upper levels is there a sort of starting point that people can begin from as to say right okay what do I need and where do I go to look for that yeah. oh I just wish Nicole I, whenever you know I get faced with this question and actually I was speaking to a lady only yesterday and we were talking about it and in my head this should be like the ultimate indulgence, something you've saved all of your money for and just be such a joy to to be out there looking to buy a new saddle. But I know the reality is really quite different for people because it's just so overwhelming of wanting to make the right decision. And there are so many people that want to be a part of that that decision because we've all had experiences, good and bad, and there's so much advice that comes your way as soon as you tell people that you're you're looking for a new saddle so I think the first thing to do is to really work out who is the person you trust that's actually accessible to you and that can come out and and ongoing um, help advise you with with your horse and then do a bit of diligence on working out what your checklist is what the unique situation is for you and your horse so I guess for a lot of riders that starts with whether they're open to a synthetic saddle because there's lots of benefits for and many people of not wanting to have the um, the burden of looking after for that that tack quite so much them being so lightweight and but for many of us as equestrians I think um, it's heavily tied with the whole romance of of leather we love to walk into a tack room and smell the leather and that's really a big part of feeling like we've um we're presenting ourselves we're ready to compete and we're um in our presentation to have a beautiful leather saddle and once you've made that choice it's you know which discipline you're riding in it's important to to work out what you're looking for there and thinking through your aspirations where you're at in your journey and also with the horse that you're buying the saddle for because you might be looking at something very different if you're choosing a saddle for a young horse or if you're at that more elite level of competition where you're looking for every edge that you can get um, and you want a saddle that's really going to unlock that extra little bit of potential in you and your horse. And um, there's always, I guess, a lot of practical considerations, budget. Uh, I'd love to think every horse gets the chance to have their own saddle fitted just for them. And um, But I know for lots of riders, um, life just isn't that way and that we might be faced with having to use the one saddle across a few different horses or even in families across a number of different riders. So working out just what you need that saddle to be able to do, does it need to be able to be adjusted for the rider and for the horse and how much And once you've got 
that sort of checklist, yeah, it's it's finding your your person, that that voice that you can trust to help guide you in the right direction as to what they think would be the best best solution for you. There's so many things to think about, aren't there? Listeners, if you yeah. heard somebody trying to break down my front door just then, if there was some very loud <laughs> knocking, I think I had a delivery. They've gone now, hopefully. Anyway, just putting a little disclaimer out there. Um, there's so many things to think about. In terms of, of going to somebody that you trust, hopefully there would be a trainer or a coach or a very good friend or somebody that is experienced yes. that can give you a, a kind of a, a direction to go in. But if if you're looking for a qualified fitter, in inverted commas, is there yes. a qualification that you should be particularly keeping an eye out for? Yes, saddle fitting is a um, it is a, a profession that there are lots of different qualifying bodies depending where you are in the world, and qualifications um, yeah can be quite different, and that makes it really tricky, particularly if you're if you're travelling or moving to find someone that's the equivalent of of the fitter that you've had where you've come from. Um, so depending where you are, you, you can look at who the different um, qualifying bodies are. There's some bigger well-known ones. And also to go onto the websites of whichever saddle you own because they'll tend to always have a list of who specialises in fitting their saddles um, because they'll run specific training for saddle fitters on on their saddles and how to fit them and get the best the best outcomes. So I'd probably start with with that, your inner circle of wisdom around you and your horse, and then the the brand of saddle with which you're you're working. Um, yeah, it's a good start. I like that the inner circle of wisdom. I feel like actually we all need that in our lives, don't we? Not <laughs> just in the equestrian world, just life in general. Um, getting a saddle yeah. to fit correctly, as I say, listeners, we're not going to try and fit a saddle on this show because you know there's so much more to it than that, but. As a bit of a guidance in terms of things that people can look out for, one, in a, in a well-fitted saddle, Emily, and two, things that actually might be a, a red flag that's saying, you know, something's not quite right here or you need to have another closer look at this. What are the things that are good and what are the things that are perhaps the warning signs that mean we need to be taking a closer look? Yes, I think... Um... As a rider, when everything's sitting beautifully, you you feel it's effortless to remain balanced in the saddle. Your rein contact is nice and even. Your horse is really ultra responsive to all of your aids because they're being delivered consistently. And but that's not always the the case. And when we start to feel that we're unbalanced or we're having to reposition ourselves and we're overly aware of the saddle and trying to overcome the saddle or fight the saddle we often say um, then they're all good signs that it might be time to call your saddle fitter and there's definitely steps that I think often we're a bit reluctant or we only call a saddle fitter when there's a, a problem with our horse maybe they're resistant in the transitions or um, or something that we've really alerted us or flagged us but if we can be a little bit more proactive ourselves in making a note maybe, you know, every couple of months in the diary, just a little reminder that today we're going to actually think about when we tack up the saddle, how is it looking? And when we're riding, how it feels. There are a few things you can look for. So in terms of the the saddle fit, we always want to make sure we've got our horse standing square and it's on level ground before we um, make any real assessments. But if you can step back, you know, a couple of metres and, and have a look at the, the saddles in balance, 
um, is really important. Whenever we're designing a saddle, there will be a point in the seat that it is deepest and most narrow, and that's where we want the saddle to be naturally sort of coming to their home position. Um, and that's where you want to see the seat is sitting nice and level and not really uphill or, or downhill. And then we have to make sure that the saddle's not coming into contact with the horse's spine at any point. So you can have a good look when you're off the horse to, to check through under the pommel and at the head and all the way through that chamber that you've not got any contact with, with the horse. And then again, when you're mounted, just do a double check with your, your hand that there's enough space there between the horse and the saddle at the front and the back. And the last really good thing to, to check is that the saddle is actually bearing evenly across the whole panel on the horse's back. So when you're off the horse, if you can slide your hand you know, under the panel and just feel and see if there's any big gaps, we want that to be nice and even in pressure, um, if not feel that there's any bridging, for instance, where we might have contact at the front and the back, but not so much in the middle. Um, so I think they're the three things to take note of. And then when you're riding, to just be aware of how balanced do I feel? Um, yep, how strong am I in my position? Yes. yes. I think um, they're all really, really good points. And the other thing, listeners, is when you have your saddle fitter out, ask the questions, you know, get them to show you all of these things and mm. talk through what what's good about a saddle and what isn't so good about, you know, if they put something on your horse and discard it or say no it doesn't suit them or it needs tweaking because of x y and z ask the questions get them to show you because actually that's the only way you'll really learn and then you'll be more confident in doing this and picking it up um and sort of yeah checking for yourself a little bit as well i think your point of making a note in the diary every couple of months is the same yeah. as you know when we're going to worm our horses or when the physio might be due anything like that is you know just make a note and actually um, we all know how quickly time flies, but you can then just take a minute to actually pay attention to it. Um, how often should saddles be checked on a, in an ideal world? Obviously, it depends on, I guess, young horses and horses coming back into work after a time off and that sort of thing. But is there an ideal? Yes. Well, there is an ideal for each horse and rider, but that will be different depending on um, on their circumstances. I think if you can have a really good rapport with your saddle fitter, and you have a saddle that allows you to be able to make, it, it's made to be adjusted with the horse as they're changing. It's great to try and be a little bit more proactive about it and keep, you know, um, a good close contact on it so you know when to call the saddle fitter out because it's an unrealistic expectation that once the saddle is fitted, it fits and it's always going to fit. It is an ever-changing situation and it's slow and it's incremental and we're really good at riders as riders at overcoming any um changes in the saddle so it is important that you make that that time or that note to really consciously look at what's going on and you know if you're in a consistent work with a horse um and building their their condition and you've made a, a change in the saddle fit or, um, you know, they can change quite significantly in just a couple of months. So it depends if, you know, if, if you're not, you know, riding really regularly, you, you're probably fine to get a saddle fitter to come out and check on your saddle, you know, every twice, twice a year if you're keeping a good measure of it in between. 
um, if you are working consistently and in a sport like eventing, there's so many changes that we see in our horses over a season. You're going to want to have your saddle fitter coming out and making those small adjustments with your horse as they're changing. So every two months, every three months would be ideal. And I think, again, yeah. you know, if you've got a coach, your coach will also have a really good idea as to if you're changing and if your training program is working the way you want it to work. It obviously has a huge impact on performance, not only actually, I think, riding performance and how you can actually ride your horses, but actually how your horses perform too. Just how big an impact is a saddle on a horse's performance? The saddle can have a huge impact on a horse's performance. We love seeing that and you'll find saddle fitters talk about that time and time again when you can see just by changing the saddle on the horse that they can completely transform um, before your eyes and that's I guess the when you have them able to move naturally into their full extension and really freely um, that's hugely powerful in terms of of competition but it is um, unfortunate that exactly where we're placing the saddle on our horses' backs, you know, we've got the wither, there's raised delicate spine, and we've got huge big back muscles. So we also know that if we don't have it exactly right, and we are restricting that horse's movement in their muscles, the muscular chains in the horse means that there's a big flow-on effect from that, and it can really change their gait or their ability in, in performance quite dramatically. That's why I, I feel like we're just so lucky and horses today are so lucky that we have equipment that lets us really keep them with an optimal fit all the way through. Um, and it's it's so important that we, we do. That must be one of yeah. the most satisfying parts of your job. If you see a saddle go on a horse and all of a sudden yeah. there's like a light bulb moment of they're just so much more comfortable. Yes, and it's exhilarating for the rider as well because it's just, it's our precious time, you know, when we're on our horses and the rest of the world fades away and it's too important to be struggling with the saddle or to, um, you know, none of us want to think that our horses are struggling with discomfort or with the saddle. That's our biggest fear, I think. (laughs) Um, You mentioned at the start of the show that bait saddles were the first to bring in adjustable saddles. Can you kind of give us a bit more of an explanation and an insight into what adjustable is and how you can adjust saddles? Yes, I think we use the word adjustable um, very broadly in saddles. But the two main, if we're looking at adjustability for the horse, the two main areas that we're talking about are how adjustable the tree is in terms of the the width of the, the saddle and also the the panel so that we can make adjustments within that panel to get the balance exactly right for for the rider so that we're distributing their weight really evenly over the full length of of the saddle there there is a big difference in in that every saddle essentially can be adjusted um, we have as saddle fitters a lot of tools to be able to to make those adjustments but within a within a, a scope of what the saddle's been, how far the saddle's been designed and how many times the, the saddle can withstand being adjusted. And then you have other um, adjustment systems that are made exactly for that to be adjusted as many times as needed over the life of, of the saddle and to a much bigger range of adjustments. So that's a really great thing to speak with your saddle fitter about because 
each saddle fitter will have particular brands that they like working with where they feel they get the best outcome. And it's good to then follow their advice on on what they would like to see you you riding in as they know what the saddles are capable of doing. Yeah. And I guess, you know, when you said a little bit earlier on about the, in an ideal world, every horse has a saddle that is purely theirs and purely fitted to them. But actually, if you have a saddle that is more adjustable, you can make sure that it can cover more members of the family. And actually, it can cover a couple of different horses while still making sure that all of those things we've talked about, comfort, fit, performance, are actually there and, and really relevant. Yes, we with with our saddles we also have the the care cushion system in the panels, which is really great because it's always just adapting to whatever back that it's we're putting the saddles on and keeping that pressure beautifully even. So it's a very forgiving panel to to use for the the horses. Equally, I mean, there's adjustment systems for the rider too, and I think that's an area of saddle design that we're really just starting to fully appreciate now the difference that we can make in the biomechanics for a rider of moving that stirrup bar a little bit further forward or a little bit further back and the the support of that leg position with the knee rolls. It's great when you've got the ability to, you know, I think we used to talk about that we'd have to break the saddle in. And for us as riders, that was often meaning we have to get used to it. We have to learn to ride in, in this saddle. That's no longer really the case where you can get the saddle to set be set up to your alignment. It's almost like putting on a comfy pair of slippers, isn't it? In so much as you sort of want to sit in the saddle and immediately feel at home and in balance and comfortable. Because if you're in balance and comfortable, that actually you're going to be able to ride to the best of your ability as well. Um, looking after yeah. our saddles. How should we look after them in an ideal world in terms of storage, in terms of cleaning, all of those things? Yes. Well, we're talking about leather saddles um, with, with when we're talking about the care of them. And it's I know we've, we've done you know a fair bit of research over the years with this. And for riders, most commonly, we clean our saddles before a competition. <laughs> and um, for some saddles, that may be enough. I think... This is an area that has changed over time because the um, just in terms of tanning leather, where that's moved on a long way in terms of using more natural tanning methods. We're more focused on having, you know, being better for the environment in what we do. We're creating leathers that are ever softer and still maintaining that durability and, and strength. So the level of care that we have to give our saddles is changing because gone are the days where we need to use oils or anything like needs foot oil or anything that's really going to lubricate that leather. Um, and now it's really about maintaining a beautiful surface on the top of the leather and keeping the fats in there. I'd say the three things to look for in your leather are the, the colour and whether it's dry or whether it's um, nice and supple. And, you know, has that, that beautiful feel and strength and, and grip. Again, depending on whether your saddle's sitting in the sun a lot or, you know, how it's stored, you know, its exposure to sweat and um, heat and rain and and also depending on each, it's even specific down to each individual hide, 
the level of care is going to differ. So if you just try and keep an eye on the colour and the, the softness in your hand and be looking to maintain that as best you can, you know, you'll be right. And that's probably, you know, ideally, I think that it's a good idea to regularly apply a wax-based balsam, you know, even before each ride, a light layer will really work into that leather and keep it just in good condition over time because we can see in our testing it makes a huge difference in terms of the rate of wear that the saddle shows, whether you're applying balsam regularly or whether you're allowing that leather to dry out and then sort of trying to restore it, um, which is, yep. Not where we want to be. So there's no really magic answer for everyone. I think you need to look at your your saddle and try and keep it having that beautiful luster and um, yeah, looking good. A saddle at the end of the day, isn't it, is an investment, isn't it? And it's about um, you know really being able to get the best out of that investment as well. And I have to say, I um, I think building it into your routine and your habits. So if you yes. have been for a ride and you can literally just give five minutes to to give it a quick once over and then maybe when you have a show you give it a little bit more love or once a every week or something like that you just give it a bit more attention but actually just yeah. incorporating a, a simple habit into your daily routine when you're riding can go a really long way into actually maintaining that kind of quality and maintaining the I guess the keeping it in as good a condition as possible making sure that you're not having to restore it at any point um bad weather yeah. I'm sure I'm not the only one, listeners, who has been caught in a thunderstorm or it's been absolutely torrential weather and you think, oh, my poor tack. Um, what should you do? What can you do to to help? I mean, the brilliant thing about leather is we have so much control because it will absorb those those dressings, but it does also mean that it will absorb water. So when we're caught in the rain, you know, and when leather does become, you know, exposed to to rain it swells and that puts a lot of pressure on the stitching and um, it becomes really vulnerable to to wear very quickly so it is quite tragic how quickly you can see damage occur on saddles if they're ridden in in the really wet weather Um, and again if just putting your wax-based dressing on before you ride if you know you're going to be caught out or there's a chance that you're going to be caught in the rain the water will just bead off and it won't absorb into to the leather you've got a really good um, protective barrier on the saddle so that's the best thing that you can do before you head out in the rain but ideally yeah for the the saddle we'd prefer it didn't get wet <laughs> we'd all prefer we but didn't go wet to. but yeah <laughs> yes. unfortunately um I think it's it's a good yeah. point though isn't it and, and it's about if you're looking after it and then it does get caught in some bad weather yeah. then actually it's in the best place to to kind of be as okay as it is it can be um accessories Emily I feel like the world we live in today there is so much choice there are so many gadgets there are so many different things different girths different breastplates different literally everything you could you could ask for what do they do what should we consider in terms of our saddle and its fit and its efficiency and everything else in terms of the accessories associated with it there has been a lot of innovation in these areas and some of it you know, becomes a little bit um, of, a, of a style or people like one particular type of girth or type of breastplate. I think 
we've learned a lot. We've got more means now of actually evaluating our tack and the impact it has on the horse from the, the design perspective. And so we're seeing many more different design concepts come through and a lot of them are really great. Um, but I always like to think keep things as simple as we can. If we need it to fulfil a function, then absolutely include it in. But with every extra piece of you know tack we're putting on the horse, it's another point of friction or another point of pressure or so I think we need to sense check that we do need it um, before we add it into our gear and then yeah it's about adjusting it to fit the horse so that it's comfortable for them as possible and that's where again your saddle fitter can just be really important in helping you with which style would best suit your horse's conformation but it's really hard on a podcast without images or horses to be able to um, talk through why you would choose a different style for a different horse Um, yeah but I think that's the the key thing is that you find someone that can help you adjust it all perfectly for your horse and make that recommendation yeah go back to your your inner circle of wisdom in a yeah, circle of wisdom exactly. and, and get some advice on it because it is one of those things when you and you see professional riders riding in certain bits of kit and you think they're riding in it so maybe I should try that yeah. or um that looks really good or anything like that and actually it's not always the case and and the same I sh- would no. actually just ask about um saddle pads and actually that's a big yes. part of the saddle fit isn't it and it can have a really big effect on how well the saddle fits in terms of what you're putting underneath your saddle Yes, that's right. And that's that's really important if you're having a saddle fitter come and check your saddle, that they also know which saddle pads you're, you're using under the saddle um, ongoing. Uh, ideally, I think where you've got a saddle that fits really beautifully, you just want to keep the saddle as close to your horse as possible. Um, and that's going to give you the more stable saddle over time. But there is a huge range of saddle pads that are out there and there's some really great products that help with addressing balance issues in the saddle if you can't um, if you don't have access to a saddle fitter or you have a saddle that's not adjustable that can help you get that achieve that same balance that you're looking for underneath the saddle I think in terms of saddle pads generally we're just being conscious of not having any hard edges or, or roping or anything like that that's sitting between the saddle and the horse we want to make sure that's all clear of the saddle and then yeah I think simple is the way to to go where we can <laughs> I think simple is something that is highly underrated in the equestrian world yeah. and often overlooked you know we we can get so caught up in actually what everyone else is doing and what we should be doing and what we could do and what other options there are that actually, do you know what? Sometimes simple is the best thing. And, and I would say actually we've seen a real shift recently, it feels, in in the equestrian world, certainly in dressage at top level, top level eventing. Double bridles for a while were very, very common. And we saw loads of double bridles. Yes. And now they feel like it's very much gone back to a simple snaffle um and the double bridles yeah. are much more of a kind of here and there when they're needed sort of thing um so there are trends and things like that but actually i think simplicity is key listeners emily thank you so much if there was anything that you could say to people listening to this that you know a couple of things they could take away from the show and say right i'm going to do that what would it be find you in a circle <laughs> and then good um... life advice that's solid yep <laughs> Yeah, no, I say that in terms of, you know, there are so many decisions, there is so much voice, there is so much white noise around us. And, you know, listen to the ones that can actually come 
and ongoing be a part of you and your horse and the decisions that you're making. It doesn't have to be as complicated as we like to to make these things and it's really not hard to get your eye in to be able to see whether your saddle is looking imbalanced to you or you know it's so it's just starting to become aware and conscious and um, making a note to, to tune yourself into that and be in regular contact with with the person that's helping you with the the fit of your saddle over time so that you're not sort of um, having to deal with problems that have arised you're you're actually just staying ahead of that and keeping your horse moving naturally and comfortably and you in position and balanced and um and thinking about better things than your saddle Oh, one of the things yeah. that I, I have loved from this conversation, actually, Emily, I think your passion for it has really shone through is that actually a saddle should be special. And yes. it's an experience, isn't it? It's so much more than just a vessel that you put on your horse and you sit on to ride. Absolutely. And when you can get that saddle set up, you know, beautifully for a horse and rider, the relief and, you know, just the excitement of finally feeling like, you know, they've got their wind back, that they're um, able to go and just really find that extra 10% is wonderful. Yeah, it's so it's such a brilliant topic. And I hope listeners, you've enjoyed it. I hope you've uh, learned something. I appreciate there is a lot to unpick. And as I, I said at the start, and we've said throughout, you can't fit a saddle on a podcast, but you can no. certainly uh, be pointed in the right direction in terms of things you should be looking for. Um, Emily, thank you so, so much. And uh, thank you to Bait Saddles for their support of the USDA. Um, also massively involved all around the globe. They're the official partner of, or an official partner of uh, British Eventing, an official FEI saddle partner as well, which is a fairly new initiative as well. Yeah. British Equestrian, official saddle partner there, German Equestrian Federation, an official partner, basically massively massively involved in the equestrian community and we are delighted that you're part of the USEA family so thank you very much at baitsaddles.co.uk listeners if you want to go and find out any more about their products and I'm sure there's lots of help lots of advice on the website as well as being able to take a look at what is on offer so Emily thank you so much it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show wonderful thanks Nicole it's been a great great opportunity to speak about my favorite topic (laughs) Love it. Absolutely do. And I always love a guest where you can hear the passion for their subject shine through listeners. I hope you felt that as well. Uh, For now, that is all we've got time for on this episode of the USCA official podcast. But do stay tuned. Lots coming your way very soon. Thanks for listening to the USCA official podcast. If you have any suggestions or feedback, then we would love to hear from you. Get in touch through any of our social media platforms at US Eventing. And don't forget to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform to make sure you don't miss an episode.